0: On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of Kanika Jenkins, a 19-year-old young woman from Chicago, Illinois, who died September 9, 2017. On the night Kanika died, she attended a party at a Crown Plaza hotel. After the party, Kanika got separated from her friends and was never seen again. Twenty-one hours later, her body was found in a freezer in the kitchen of the hotel. Police ruled her death an accident, but those close to her believe Kanika met with foul play. What really happened to Kanika, and was her death really an accident? This is Kanika's story. This week's story has been a highly requested story. I've been asked pretty much since I started this show to cover what happened to Kanika Jenkins. Like many of you, I remember very well when the story about Kanika Jenkins hit social media four years ago. Social media was a huge contributing factor to people even hearing about Kanika. Everyone was talking about the mystery. No one could understand how a 19-year-old goes to a party at a hotel and then ends up dead in a freezer at the same hotel. The rumors and conspiracy theories surrounding the mysterious death were rampant. Everyone had ideas about what happened to Kanika. But with so many stories, so many theories, the story of what happened to Kanika left a lot of people wondering How could police say that her death was simply an accident? I mean, how many times did you at 19 attend a party with people you called friends? How many of us drank at parties and maybe had too much? I mean, so many of us can relate to what happened to Kanika. I think it's one of the reasons why so many of us became fascinated by this story. I mean, Kanika wasn't doing something wrong. She wasn't in a dangerous place with people she didn't know, so for her to end up dead hours later will never really sit right with us. But it's important to remember that, according to the police, Kanika's case is solved and it's closed. But there are still several different theories out there about what really happened to Kanika. Kanika Jenkins was born on May 27, 1998, in Chicago, Illinois. She grew up there with her mother, Teresa, and her siblings. Kanika spent all of her young life in the city of Chicago. Kanika, growing up, was described as bright and caring. And as you can see from her pictures, she had a very beautiful smile and made those around her smile, too. In high school, Kanika was popular and well-liked. Growing up in a city like Chicago can be hard. It's a city very much like the one I'm from. And people that grow up in these cities have to be intentional about staying out of trouble. But Kanika and her friends did everything to beat the odds. And Kanika graduated from high school and started working. She had dreams of being a nurse and had plans to attend nursing school. As Kanika blossomed into womanhood, she remained the loving, caring girl she had been as a child. Kanika loved to laugh and she loved to make others laugh too. Her friends said that she had a goofy side that everyone loved. Kanika was also a very responsible young woman. She worked two jobs, one of which was at a nursing home. But even the most responsible 19-year-olds liked to hang out with their friends, and Kanika was no different. Her and her friends would hang out a lot. They would chill at people's houses, or they would rent hotel rooms and host parties. I mean, there weren't a lot of safe places in Chicago for young people to hang out, and so Kanika and her friends would make their own places. In September 2017, Kanika was living the life of a normal 19-year-old young woman, and she was getting ready to enroll in nursing school, and she was working her two jobs. On September 8th, 2017, Kanika and her friends had planned to have a hotel party. Now, the reason why they were having the party varies from report to report. Some say that the party was to celebrate a friend's birthday, but others say that Kanika went so that she could celebrate the fact that she was getting ready to go to nursing school. I mean, both could have very well been true. So the party was going to be at the Crown Plaza Hotel. Now the hotel was not in the city; the hotel was located in the near sh- the Chicago O'Hare International Airport, which is in Rosemont, Illinois. Now, friends said that the hotels downtown in Chicago have stricter rules about parties and noise, and so the Crown Plaza was a better choice to have a party that night. The night that Kanika left her house, it was around 11:30 p.m. Now her mom let her borrow her car for the evening. Some reports state that Kanika told her mom that she was going bowling and then going to get something to eat, but she was actually planning to go to the party. Now, my guess is that Teresa would not have let Kanika borrow her car to drive to a party by the airport. Now, it's not clear what time Kanika arrived at the party, but it was definitely like a very turn-up kind of vibe. There were about 30 people at the party that night, both male and female. Now, for the most part, everyone at the party knew each other. However, apparently there were some guys there that Kanika and her friends were less familiar with. So, like I said, this party was turned up. There was a considerable amount of alcohol being consumed by the partygoers, And there were also some drugs that were circulating, pills specifically. And they had disabled the smoke detectors so that they could smoke in the room. Now, this is a little off topic, but... I don't think people who live outside the hood realize how prevalent pill abuse is amongst young Black people, especially young Black men. Now, in recent years, the focus on opioid abuse has become a bigger and bigger issue in America, but only because of the way it has been affecting suburban communities and white, middle, and upper-class Americans. We all now know and think about addiction differently because of the attention and education around opioids and addiction. However, Black people are, are often left out of that conversation. Even the violence that takes place in our communities is never associated with drug addiction or mental illness, when in fact, a lot of young Black people are self-medicating with Perks and Xanax, and no one is sympathizing with that. There are no documentaries or movies or shows that depict people of color as victims of addiction. Opioid abuse didn't become a thing that was okay to publicly discuss until it affected the suburbs. So... For some of Kanika's friends and party goers to be into popping pills is not uncommon in many ways, and it's really built into the culture at this point. But Kanika's friends said that Kanika did not take pills. It really wasn't her thing. She had experimented with it before, and she really didn't like the way that it made her feel. So the party went on until the early morning hours of September 9th. Now, there's footage from the night taken by a few different people on their cell phones, and you can see the party was pretty full. But the overall vibe seemed to be, you know, chill for that amount of people to be there and be consuming that much alcohol. Now, Kanika had gotten pretty intoxicated that night, according to everyone that witnessed her at the party. One of her close friends at the party said that the last time that she had seen Kanika that drunk was on her birthday a few months ago. Now, one of her friends went live, and in the background, you can hear Kanika saying that she's not drunk, which her friends said is what Kanika would say when she was most definitely drunk. Now, at 1.30 a.m., Kanika texts her sister, and it's not clear what those text messages said, but it was the last communication that anyone in Kanika's family had with her. At some point, Kanika and her friends decided that they wanted to go home. Now, some reports state that it was Kanika who first said that she wanted to go home. And, of course, if her friends rode with her, then that meant that they would have to leave, too. But some reporting states that all of the young women became uncomfortable because some of the guys at the party were becoming aggressive. Now, at around 3 a.m., Kanika and her friends left the party and went to get on the elevator to leave. But at some point, according to Kanika's friends, she realized that she left her cell phone in the room And because she was too drunk to go and look for herself, according to her friends, they went to look for her. But when they came back, Kanika was gone. Now, they had all been drinking, and so the sequence of events and those moments after they left the party are are murky. There are two stories that exist. The first is that Kanika's friends left her in the lobby of the hotel, and when they came back, she was gone. The other story is that they left Kanika standing outside of the room where the party was being held, and when they came out, she was gone. Now, her friends said that they went in the, waited in the lobby, but when Kanika didn't come back to the lobby of the hotel, they started to look for her. For about 40 minutes, her friends walked the hallway at the really large hotel. They went from floor to floor looking for Kanika, but they couldn't find her. They decided to go to the front desk to ask for help from security, but according to her friends, the hotel would not help. They even asked to see the surveillance footage to see if it had captured which direction Kanika had gone, but they also refused to show them that. According to Kanika's friends, the hotel did not care at all that Kanika was wandering and couldn't be found. Kanika's friends continued to look for her, but at some point, the hotel security approached them and asked them to get out of the hallway, which they refused to do until they found Kanika. But... After almost 40 minutes of searching, Kanika's friends were worried, and so they decided to call Teresa, Kanika's mother, to tell her that Kanika was missing. They had left the hotel at that point because hotel security had threatened to call the police on them. And so, since they had Kanika's car keys, they decided to wait in the car and call Teresa. Now, here is a clip pulled from the interview with a local radio show called the Chicago Warning Takeover on 107.5. And here's what Charissa described happened when she got that call from her daughter's friends. Now, the other voice that you hear is one of the DJs on the show.
1: I received a phone call 4.34 in the morning from her friend, stating to me that my daughter's missing. Um, They can't find her. So I asked them, could they take their time, you know, just have a little patience at first to see if they can find her. In the background, I hear one of the other friends stating... You know, she tired of waiting. She tired of this. She, you know, getting a little rally. So I asked them to calm down and just bring my car to me. Because your daughter had... Because they, cause they were at the hotel for a party, and your daughter was the driver of the night. Yes, my daughter was the driver of so the they, night. And they had her keys at this moment. They had her keys. Yeah. Me, and they never mentioned that they had a phone. until after I got off the phone with one friend, I called her phone just to hear other friend state to me um, that, I have a phone too. So I asked him, I said, y'all, wait, hold on. You have my car keys in her cell phone? I knew something wasn't right.
0: Teresa's conversation with Kanika's friends is the first in a series of events that just didn't make any sense. Like I said, these girls were intoxicated. Some of them had taken pills. And so clarity of mind wasn't exactly present. I can see how they were confused about the sequence of events and when they were, you know, trying to recall them to Kanika's mother. But at this point, they were also probably scared, too. Now, as far as I could gather, Kanika's friends went and got her stuff from the room for her because she was intoxicated, hence why they had her keys and her phone. But for Teresa, she didn't care what the reasons were at that point. She just wanted to find her daughter. Now, Teresa had asked the girls to bring, you know, her her car because, of course, Kanika had driven it to the party. And so the girls drove Teresa's car back to her. Once Teresa got her car back, at about 5 a.m. on the morning of September 9th, Teresa headed over to the hotel where her daughter and her friends had been partying. Teresa goes to the front desk and speaks to the staff, explaining to them what was going on and that her 19-year-old daughter was missing. But... Like with Kanika's friends, the hotel staff was unhelpful and unconcerned. They told Teresa that they could not review the surveillance footage until she filed a missing persons report. So Teresa goes out to the parking lot and she calls the Rosemont Police Department. 911, where's
2: the address of your emergency? Yes, I'm at the Crown uh, Plaza at O'Hare Airport. And I was calling because my daughter came. To this, to a party here last night, a gathering with her friends, and um, now her friends they said that they left on the front of the hotel, and she's not able to be found now. She's 19 years old. And you said that this, and and you said the Crown Plaza at O'Hare Airport. Yes, yes. And they said that the, uh, when her friends was acting uh earlier today, like about four o'clock in the morning, because uh, they run the video cameras, they said that they didn't have no cameras. But now I came and it was a lady, she said that it, she, she heard music and she, she asked me that I want to go upstairs and we went upstairs on the 11th floor and it was someone came to the room and the, she said that she did see my daughter there with a group of girls and, and, and a couple of guys, but um, that's all she just saw because she was trying, busy trying to get reception on her phone.
0: The call lasts for about 10 minutes. During the call, the officer asks Teresa if she wants to file missing person support, but he also tells Teresa that it's only been a few hours, and so perhaps Kanika's just with her friends. She asks him about pulling surveillance footage, but he tells her that even if they were to pull surveillance footage, it would take them a while to actually view it and get it to a detective. His advice for her is to wait a few more hours before filing report, He also suggests that perhaps she goes to the Chicago PD first because she lived in Chicago, even though they may direct her back to the Rosemont PD since that's where Kanika was last seen. So Teresa goes back into the hotel and again speaks to the staff, but the staff and the manager repeatedly tell her that there's nothing that they can do to help her because this was a police matter. Now, Teresa was frustrated with the hotel's nonchalance about her daughter missing in their hotel. But at that point, she really couldn't do much. As the sun rose on that morning, there still was no sign of Kanika. Her mother, Teresa, decided to go back home and wait. Now, her older daughter, Kanika's sister, took her mother's place at the hotel. And she again asked the hotel manager for access to the footage. But again, he tells her that he can't and that it was a police matter. However, the police had yet to come to the hotel. Now, according to Teresa, her daughter called police from the hotel to file a missing persons report. She was told by the officer, however, that she, that he was unable to meet her at the hotel, and he asked her to come down to the station to file the report, which she did. Now, Kanika's sister went to the Rosemont PD, and she filed the missing persons report. But police did not immediately go to the hotel. Even after the report was filed. According to Teresa, the very first time the police came to the hotel was to actually meet her older daughter who had forgotten to sign the missing persons report. According to P- Teresa, when the police arrived to get the signature, she asked him, you know, asked the officer if he would please look at the surveillance footage. Now, Teresa said that he finally agreed, but according to her oldest daughter, he was really only in the room for about five minutes. And then he came out and told her that he didn't see any footage of Kanika entering or leaving the building, which implied that Kanika had never been at the Crown Plaza, which her family knew was not the case. Now, from the beginning, Teresa wasn't happy with how the Rosemont police was handling Kanika's missing person case. Although the officers were nice when she spoke to them, They were not concerned, and they were brushing it off. You know, some 19-year-old Black girl from Chicago who went there for a party and now is missing was just not on the top of the list for them. Now, at about 1.15 on the 9th, police make their first contact with the staff at the Crown Plaza, and they inform them that they are looking for Kanika. Now, it wasn't until after being contacted by police that the staff first looked at the surveillance footage. According to reports, the staff at the hotel viewed the footage at around 3 or 4 p.m., almost 12 hours after Kanika was last seen. But they reportedly didn't see any sign of Kanika on the footage. At 6 p.m. that evening, a very worried and very frustrated Teresa showed back up at the hotel with several of Kanika's family members, and Teresa began going floor to floor, knocking on doors, looking for her daughter. But the hotel staff did not welcome this mother and her desperate search for her daughter. Instead, they called the police. Now, the Rosemont police received a call from the staff at the hotel shortly after 6 p.m. They called to complain that Teresa was bothering the hotel guests about her missing daughter. And when police arrived at the scene, Kanika's family was upset. It had now been several hours since Kanika was last seen, and the police had yet to search the hotel. Now, according to reports, the responding officers felt bad for Teresa and her family, and so they agreed to look at the footage, I guess out of pity. But that is kind of amazing, right? I mean, why would the police have not already come to the hotel and looked through all of the footage? Now, around 10 p.m. that night, police reviewed the footage from the cameras. And although this was the third time the footage had been viewed, for the first time, Police saw what are now known to be the last images of Kanika alive. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Fall can be hectic, but HelloFresh's recipes save time you'd otherwise spend on meal prepping, grocery shopping, and chopping, so you can focus on getting back into a new routine and spending quality time with the family. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including vegetarian, calorie smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. Ingredients travel from the farm to your door within a week, so you get the convenience without skimping on the quality. HelloFresh isn't just for meals. Their marketplace features a variety of snacks like fall's pumpkin cinnamon rolls to get you in the mood for cozy season. HelloFresh is really a lifesaver on nights I want to give my family something delicious and easy. It's really my go-to. I'm gonna be honest, I really don't like going to the grocery store. It's like my least favorite thing to do. So the pre-measured ingredients and easy to follow recipes have really taken all the stress out of dinner for those nights when I'm exhausted but don't want to order out. I just wish I had started using it earlier. Go to HelloFresh.com slash GirlGone14 and use code GirlGone14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash GirlGone14 and use code GirlGone14 for up to 14 free meals, including shipping. The Rosemont police, several hours after Kanika Jenkins was reported missing, finally looked at the surveillance footage from the early morning hours of Saturday. On the footage, at around 3.20 a.m., cameras capture Kanika near the front desk in the lobby. Kanika is visibly intoxicated in the footage as she's sort of staggering around alone. Now, there were several other images captured of Kanika that night walking through the hallway alone. So it's very strange that initially, the hotel staff said that they didn't see her or on any of the footage that they reviewed. They alleged that they only looked at the surveillance cameras from the entrance points at the hotel. But the fact that they never saw her leave didn't raise any red flags and cause them to look at other cameras. But nonetheless, the footage captured Kanika in the basement level of the building where the kitchen was located, the last images capture her walking into a kitchen in an area that was being used that was not being used by the hotel because it was under construction. Now armed with the actual footage of Kanika from that night, the hotel staff and police began searching the area in and around the kitchen. Now, a little after midnight on Sunday, September 10th, one of the hotel staffers entered the kitchen area of the hotel, walked to the back and inside the freezer found the body of Kanika Jenkins, frozen solid. At 1 a.m., detectives broke the news to Teresa and the rest of Kanika's devastated family. They could now stop searching for Kanika, but they were far from closure. How could Kanika be dead? In a freezer? In a hotel? How long has she been there, and how did she get inside of a freezer? Her family, from the very beginning, knew something had happened to her, and soon, they wouldn't be the only ones demanding justice for Kanika. Immediately, Teresa asked to see her daughter, which the police would not allow. But Teresa turns to Facebook next. Grief-stricken, Teresa turned to her community of friends, and she went live to inform people about what was going on in the case and to ask for help. Teresa said that when she came back into the hotel, she asked to see her daughter and that the detective that was there told her that she could, but two hours went by and she still had not been allowed to see Kanika. Teresa said that when a sergeant arrived, who was very rude, told her that she could not see Kanika because it was apparently against department policy. Eventually, however, he changed his mind and told Teresa that she could see Kanika, Five hours later, Teresa is allowed to see her daughter.
1: Five hours later, uh, they come to me and states, only I could come see her. Me, I'm allowed, and I could bring one more other person with me. That's when they allowed me. They walked us back there. They said, wait, this is a crime scene. You are not allowed to take any photos. You you can't touch, and you know don't touch anything, And they watched us as if we was there. You know, like we had some, we was involved in it. It it seemed like the crime scene was on us, not what went on with my daughter. Right. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: By the time that Teresa was able to see Kanika, they had removed her body from the freezer. Kanika was lying on a stretcher in a white body bag. And so Teresa never actually saw Kanika's body. By Monday, September 11, 2017, the local media had picked up the story of the 19-year-old girl found dead in the freezer at a Chicago-area hotel. And not long after the story hit social media, it completely blew up. Before anyone had knew exactly what happened to Kanika, almost everyone on social media was sharing and talking about Kanika. Soon, videos from that night began to circulate and web sleuths began analyzing details in the videos, looking for clues, slowing them down, zooming in, trying to find even the smallest clues that would lead to what happened to Kanika. Soon, the internet learned the names of Kanika's friends and others at the party and began to target them. People began to blame her friends for her death. Now, on one of the videos that night, you can hear one of her friends discussing $200, which people began to say was payment for whatever happened to Kanika. Her friends, however, said the $200 was for a lost parking ticket for the garage. But rumors of a setup began to swirl. Some believe that she was brought there to be sex trafficked, raped, or even murdered for her organs. Everyone had an opinion. Everyone had a conspiracy theory about Kanika's death. Protests soon began to erupt outside of the Crown Plaza almost immediately. People close to Teresa and Kanika gathered to demand answers from the Crown Plaza and the Rosemont Police Department. And once people learned that there was surveillance footage from that night, the people started demanding that the, pub- the police release the footage. Two days after Kanika was found, the Rosemont police said that the amount of conspiracy theories and rumors surrounding Kanika's death was making it impossible for them to do their jobs. And so in order for them to satisfy the public's outrage and hopefully slow down the conspiracy theories pouring in, the Rosemont Police Department decided to release their surveillance footage. On September 19th, nine days after Kanika's body was found in the freezer, police released their surveillance footage. Their hope was that if people saw the footage, that they, people would sad, be satisfied and that the public speculation that the police or the hotel were hiding something would go away. But they were wrong. The surveillance footage actually raised more questions. We can see Kanika roaming the halls, but that didn't mean that she was, wasn't being watched. Some people believed that Kanika was being followed, and that's why she was walking around that way, like perhaps someone was following her. Others theorized that the video had been doctored, that perhaps someone had cut out footage, something that the police, of course, vehemently denied was even possible. But there was one thing missing from the footage that would be the icing on the cake for those who believe something happened to Kanika, and that was that there was no actual footage of Kanika going into the freezer. The last images show Kanika walking into the kitchen towards the area where the freezer was located but no footage of her entering the freezer, which left open a plethora of possibilities for people. As social media and the public did their own investigation, the Rosemont Police Department tried to piece together what happened to Kanika. According to the coroner, there were no obvious signs of trauma to the body. When Kanika was found, she was frozen solid, but there was nothing that indicated that she had been assaulted. Now, while an autopsy was performed, police spoke to several people at the party, and according to police, almost everyone at the party was interviewed, with a few exceptions. In total, they spoke to over 40 people. 30 of them had been in the hotel party. They also spoke to Kanika's friends, who gave police statements, and were ultimately cleared. Nothing that they had told police indicated that Kanika's friends were involved. And despite the rumors circulating on social media, it did appear that Kanika's friends did try to look for her. They didn't just leave her at the party, and when they couldn't find her, they called her mom. In the weeks following Kanika's death, protests continued daily outside of the Crown Crown Plaza. But some issues began to arise between one of the activists and organizers and Teresa who accused them of stealing money that had been raised, and she said that they were profiting off of Kanika's death. The activist being accused, of course, denied the allegations and said that someone had given Teresa false information. The accusations of theft were just another complicated chapter in this story. On September 30th, 2017, Kanika Jenkins was laid to rest. More than a thousand people attended her funeral. Kanika was buried in a purple casket, which was her favorite color. And four days later, once again, Teresa stood in front of the clown palace hotel and demanded justice for her daughter. She asked the FBI to get involved, but they never did. On October 7, 2017, nearly a month after Kanika attended that party, the Cook County coroner ruled her death accidental and determined that Kanika had died from hyperthermia Toxicology reports found alcohol and medication used to treat seizures in her system, which they believe contributed to her intoxicated state. And so, with the determination from the medical examiner and no evidence according to police to indicate otherwise, Kanika's case was ruled accidental by the Rosemont Police Department and closed. Kanika's family was outraged, and so was the community, No one believed what the police had to say, and they believed they were hiding something. But police insisted they had investigated every angle, and there was never any signs of foul play. There was no evidence that Kanika was forced to drink or was drugged, and there was no evidence of a sexual assault or any trauma to her body. The police believed that Kanika was intoxicated and disoriented, and that she wandered into that part of the hotel, and she opened the freezer door and got locked in. They believe that Kanika laid down or possibly passed out from being drunk and then froze to death. Now, there was a latch located inside the freezer that can be used to escape, but police believe that in her drunken state, Kanika didn't see the latch. The medical examiner's report said that, quote, they found that in Kanika's stomach, there was indic- that it was indicative of hyperthermia. Her brain was swollen, and there was an abrasion on her ankle and purple contusion on her right leg. The autopsy results showed that there was no other evidence of external or internal trauma. They said that it is determined that the substantial factor in this death is cold exposure. The alcohol and drugs found in Ms. Jenkins' system combined with cold exposure can be hastened to the onset of hypothermia and death. The medical examiner then went on to say that there is no evidence per the police investigation that Ms. Jenkins was forced to consume the alcohol or the drug. There is no evidence of another person in the vicinity of the kitchen with the decedent, and there is no evidence of an altercation or interaction with another individual in the time immediately prior to demise." There was no other evidence of external or internal trauma due to physical abuse. A tragic accident fueled by alcohol consumption and drug use, according to the police and the medical examiner. But none of that added up for Teresa. If Kanika was falling down drunk, then how did she unlatch and pull open a double steel door when she could barely walk? And if she could use the latch to get in, then why couldn't she do the same once she got locked in? Also, if she was within her right mind enough to remember that she didn't have her cell phone before leaving the hotel, then she probably wasn't intoxicated enough to just walk into some random freezer. Also, there is no footage of Kanika going into the freezer. Now, in the radio interview, Kanika's mother said that there was another camera that was pointing at the door of the fridge, but police have denied that such camera existed and there's never been any footage from it. There were allegations that the videos released to the public had been tampered with, but experts who have examined the tapes say that it could be it would be impossible to edit the footage without it being detected. Kaniga's mother Teresa was not ready to give up. She had made her rounds doing interviews with local news stations, expressing her anger and frustration with the Rosemont Police and the Crown Plaza. In late 2017. Teresa appeared on The Dr. Oz Show, where she again expressed her concern about the investigation and the fact that she believed that Kanika had met with foul play. Teresa also hired an attorney, and they began their own investigation. And Teresa asked for a second autopsy, but it's not clear if it was ever performed. In the months following Kanika's death, her mother and her family continued their campaign to demand justice for Kanika, but... Police had concluded their investigation, and the FBI never showed any interest in getting involved. In December 2018, Teresa filed a lawsuit against the Crown Plaza Hotel. The lawsuit alleged that the hotel was negligent in securing the kitchen that was not being used, and that several hotel staff members witnessed Kanika stumbling through the hallways, but didn't intervene and failed to help her when they saw that she needed help. It also accuses the hotel of not reviewing the security cameras in a timely fashion when they found out that Kanika was missing. But it also blamed them for not stopping the party, which they knew was overcrowded. The hotel responded and vowed to fight the lawsuit. They called Kanika's death a tragedy, but they stated, quote, the death of Kanika Jenkins was a tragedy, but the proximate cause of her death were the unsavory individuals who used a stolen credit card to book a room and host an illegal party, which Ms. Jenkins attended. Those criminals escaped the hotel before police arrived and have never truly been held accountable. This lawsuit has no merit and will be vigorously contested. Now, I couldn't find any information about what ultimately happened with the lawsuit. But there were allegations that the person who rented the room for the party had done so with stolen credit cards. But... That had nothing to do with Kanika dying, so that was an unnecessary part of the statement. But I do think that the statement from the hotel, however, shows how much they didn't care about Kanika. And that's why when her friends and family asked for help, they couldn't even be decent human beings and help these people. In the years following Kanika's death, despite the police's conclusion, many of the people who believe Kanika met with foul play continue to believe that. People don't trust the police, especially in Chicago and its suburbs. Police cover-ups and botched investigations are not mythology, and so it's understandable why people don't believe the police. I think that the only thing that we do know for sure, though, is that Kanika's death could have been prevented. Teresa is right. Had the hotel shown a little bit more concern when Kanika went missing, they might have found her in that freezer in enough time to save her life. And had the police gone to the hotel and made the hotel staff search or made them look at the surveillance, they might have found her before it was too late. The official story is that Kanika Jenkins, intoxicated, walked into a freezer and died. And there is no other official evidence to indicate otherwise. But I do think that a lot of people failed Kanika that night. I think that young people can learn a lot from this story about the dangers that drinking too much can bring. But all we have in this story, however, are the facts that have been laid out before us. The theories about what may have happened still very much exist. And many of you listening to this story will never believe that Kanika walked into that freezer voluntarily. And maybe she didn't. But at the center of this story is a mother who lost her child unnecessarily. Now, this story is an example of the power of social media to bring both awareness, but to also taint investigations. Kanika's friends were harassed, and they were threatened. Kanika's mom was fed lies and given misleading information, and none of it helped bring closure to Kanika's death. It's been four years now since Kanika's case was closed. There's no intention to reopen it police stand firm in their conclusion about what happened to Kanika. Kanika's story will probably always stay with us in some ways. Most will never be satisfied with the ultimate conclusion in this case. But whatever happened to Kanika that night was tragic. Her young life should not have ended in a freezer. She had so much in front of her. May Kanika Jenkins rest in peace. (laughs) thank you for listening to this week's episode we will be back next week with a brand new story join us on patreon for exclusive mini episodes and ad free episodes as always like us on facebook follow us on instagram and tiktok at black girl gone podcast listening on apple podcast show your support for the show by leaving a review and a five-star rating